It is amazing how many people show up in a small city in Switzerland for a couple of days a year. Welcome to Meet the Leader, the podcast where top leaders share how they're tackling the world's toughest challenges. Today, ahead of the World Economic Forum's 2024 annual meeting, we share lessons and learn from Davos leaders. Subscribe to Meet the Leader on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please don't forget to rate and review us. I'm Linda Lucina from the World Economic Forum, and this is Meet the Leader. People can change the world, and movements don't start with a million people marching. They start with one person talking to the next person, and before you know it, you have movements and you have citizen uh, power. And I think that ultimately um, is in some of the worst moments in history, what has allowed us to step back from the precipice and, and look for better ways forward. As I record this, we are just days away from the annual meeting, a week where the world's top leaders from government, business and civil society all come together in snowy Davos with one goal in mind, to build solutions to the world's biggest problems. Each year, my colleagues and I cover every announcement, every panel, every speech, helping to put the world's biggest changes into context. I personally think that I have the best job of all of these as I get to bring some of the most interesting voices of the year into my podcast booth and talk to them face to face. Just last year alone, I spoke to CEOs, scientists, an astronaut, a commercial fisher, and a founder who essentially taught himself how to run a supersonic aviation startup. It's a good crew. Davos is always an inspiration. And to get you into that mindset, I thought I would put together this highlight reel, a collection of moments from past Davos interviews and the lessons that those conversations drove home for me. It's a unique look at how some of the world's biggest innovators approach problem solving and how they make the most of their chance to learn new perspectives. We'll get started with Matthias Malder. He's an astronaut with the European Space Agency, and when I talked to him last year at Davos, he had just gotten back from 177 days in space. He drives home lesson number one. The big solutions require big collaborations. I'll let him explain more. Well, we need to bring the decision makers together. We need to bring the scientists together because there's quite often that we have science, uh, science on one side, the experts, but they don't really have the oversight or not the, the direct contact to the decision makers. And uh, that's also one of the reasons why I'm here in Davos, trying to uh, connect to decision makers, trying um, also to lobby for what we can do to help them solve their problems, or our problems, I should say. As an astronaut, uh, my focus, my, my leadership training focused very much on international cooperation, collaboration, and um, by doing things together, we are way more efficient. We can solve problems that nobody can solve by on its own. And looking at planet Earth, and especially from the vantage point of space, our planet is so small, but it's the only, only place that we have where we can live. So we need to take care of it. And that only works um, if we all work together, or to put it in space terms. We learned our space station, the International Space Station can only be safe if we all work together as one team. We have Russians, we have Americans, Canadians, Japanese, Europeans, and many guests from other countries. For the last 20 years on a day-to-day -day basis, what we can achieve by working together. And for us, looking down to planet Earth, we see our planet is also a spaceship, just a bigger one. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's somehow supernatural to believe that fighting 
or war is absolutely no solution to no problem at all. We need to work together. We need to establish again a basis where we can cooperate for peaceful means. The second lesson Davos leaders have driven home to me is to make time for connection. So many leaders I have interviewed have stressed how important it is to meet new people and to get new perspectives. You can do that in any role, no matter where you are based. Here's Roy Jacobs, the CEO of health tech company Royal Phillips, on a way to check in with yourself to make sure you're making that happen. Yeah, for me, I think there's a very honest moment if you just look at where you spend your time. So as a leader, I think the, uh, if you look into kind of uh, what you're busy with when you go through your week um, and when you realize that you're being lived by the day to day and by the end of the week, you might have an afternoon left for your strategy, you're definitely not on the right path. So I think be upfront about your planning, kind of make sure that you actually box the time to really think, actually to reflect and also to engage. Because the other thing I think which is crucial for thinking about long-term is actually to take the wider perspective. And for that, actually, you need to be out there. So actually being here at the WEF is therefore an excellent opportunity where you can engage with all the different stakeholders around the ecosystem to actually get their perspectives and also to jointly define how you take this up because no one can solve these challenges by themselves. You cannot do that as a leader in your organization because you need to actually have your whole organization coming with you along. But also if you serve the healthcare system, actually you cannot do that as a technology provider alone. You need to think about the nurse, you need to think about the doctor, about the funder, the government that actually has certain requirements. How do you serve it across the different places around the world? So I think taking that partnership approach is really fundamental. Alex Liu is the managing partner and chairman of global consultancy Carney. I was struck by a comment he made last year on the poly crisis, and it's relevant to leaders no matter the year, no matter the economic climate, and no matter the geopolitical context. It brings us to our latest lesson. The solution to any problem is to leverage the power of people. None of these problems that we have out in the world, these, this poly crisis, perma crisis, are going to be solved unless the people have the energy to actually solve that. Yeah. That to me is the big bottleneck. So a big issue for businesses and leaders is how do you unlock the people power? Yeah. You know, this joy power, because it's just too hard. Yeah. If you're in the middle of the company, which is where the power of the company actually resides, these are the people that actually get stuff done. They say no, they resource, they don't resource. They agree or they don't agree passively. I'm not gonna promote someone who doesn't look like me. I'm not gonna fix a supply chain that's been fine for 50 years. Nothing's going to happen. No yeah. progress will be made. So I think the number one issue is getting everyone bought into whatever your business vision is, the crises, the opportunities, the three-year plan, the ESG imperative, you know, the geopolitical shocks, the resiliency of your inventory and your pricing and your customer strategy. These are all solvable, man-made, human-made problems. So getting the people on board is right. There's going to be another set of challenging issues that we would not have foresaw three, three months from now. I don't even want to go down that list. That's a wargaming exercise yeah. that can be done academically. But the real world leaders have to make decisions and, and lead their people in times that are partly cloudy, like now, yeah. so that when it does become partly sunny, they can hit it hard and yeah. avoid the rainy day. Ashley Streeter-Jones is the founder and CEO of social enterprise Raise Our Voice Australia. That organization helps to make sure that elected leaders better reflect the people that they represent. She drove home to me our next lesson, that the ultimate opportunity for leaders is to rise to the occasion. Here's Ashley. 
I strongly believe that the role of public leaders is to lift the floor, not just smash the ceiling. I think that we need to be creating better outcomes for everybody. And there's nothing wrong with being the first. Being the first is a great thing. But what I'm fundamentally invested in is the lasts. I want to see the last person living in poverty, the last girl who can't go to school because of the leadership in her country or because of period poverty. I strongly believe that we need to be bringing all people with us and we can't move forward if such a big portion of the world is held behind. Many of our challenges, of course, are global and it does require us to work together and it requires public leaders to be brave, to be bold, to think really critically about the challenges that we're facing and also challenge their understanding of these problems. We don't get it right all the time and we must be open to admitting mistakes. I think that's fundamental for trust between public leadership and civic society, but also look for spaces to go back to people, to check in with them, to see if we are making the difference that we want to make in lifting that floor and as we make some of these courageous and, and sometimes very hard decisions. AI was already becoming a hot topic last year when I talked to Priya Lakani. She is the founder and chief executive officer at Century Tech. She has a platform that uses artificial intelligence and neuroscience to create constantly adapting pathways that better educates students in schools and universities. She reminded me of something that all leaders can stand to hear again and again. We should always embrace game-changing tech, but we should never forget the problems that we're trying to solve. Here's Priya. I think start from the problem that you want to solve. Start from what we know our goals are as a policy leader and then think, okay, how can I enable that using these solutions and these technologies? Or, or what can we go to innovators with and say, hey, we need, we need solutions to this? Because what you find here, for example, is it's swarming with innovators. The World Economic Forum is a place where people have come not to forward your own agenda. We're here to, to move forward and we want to move the dial. So come with those problems, come with those goals. And there are lots of people that want to help solve those for you. I spoke to Akam Steiner ahead of the May 2022 Davos. He heads up the United Nations Development Program and his work puts him into contact with leaders of all stripes all around the world. He talked to me about how those encounters have shaped and inspired him and the importance of all leaders to build hope. You know, I, I am somebody who has been inspired by so many individuals that I have either had the privilege of meeting in my work, sometimes community leaders, visionary reformers, uh, a new president who, you know, after years of living under a dictatorship or an authoritarian regime, suddenly politics changes. They are given the opportunity to lead a country. But I'm also somebody who, you know, has often thought of people like Mahatma Gandhi and Nelson Mandela or Wangari Maathai, not as the people they were by the time they were at the end of their life, so to speak, but who they were when they were literally no one. You know, Mahatma Gandhi in South Africa got beaten up in the streets. Nelson Mandela got locked up for almost three decades in a, in a jail. And Wangari Maathai began as a young girl in a village in Kenya and became a Nobel Prize uh, laureate. These stories, I think, you know, are not um, unique. They are not singular. They're in their thousands every day. Not everybody becomes famous. So that is my conviction for why we need to give hope to people. We need to give them reasons for optimism. That is not always to say things are okay. Things are not okay. But people can change the world. And movements don't start with a million people marching. They start with one person talking to the next person. And before you know it, you have movements and you have citizen uh, power 
And I think that ultimately um, is in some of the worst moments in history, what has allowed us to step back from the precipice and, and look for better ways forward. You've worked with top leaders around the world. How have those experiences changed how you lead? Well, first of all, when you have the privilege of working for the United Nations and therefore, you know, have the ability to to literally visit countries across the globe, meet people in completely different settings from your own. I think one of the things you learn is that you need to carry a great deal of empathy with you. I think empathy is a, a very defining element of credible leadership because leaders sometimes are judged by, you know, how loudly they speak or how, you know, confidently they project. That's a communication skill, but true leadership, I think, and the way people respond to it is if I have the feeling that somebody actually listened first, is informed by what I might think, and then forms their opinion about what their role is in this in this context, be it in a company or in a society or on a particular issue. So I think having grown up professionally speaking in so many different parts of the world, I've had the privilege of living in many you know communities, societies, and countries um, over the last 30 years certainly has changed my outlook and has made me, I think, far more of a listener uh, than I would have been without that. Secondly, I think authenticity. None of us, I think, should uh, pretend that we have all the solutions. I think what people expect from us is a degree of honesty and integrity that, you know, perhaps authenticity best captures because um, honesty is a foundational part of how people will either trust you and, and trust is fundamental to leadership. And frankly speaking, I, I also once attended an executive development program, you know, at some of the best business schools of the world that the, the then World Bank president, Jim Wolfenstein, had organized for World Bank staff and invited some externals to participate. And I was already struck then that, you know, the principles of good leadership are actually not fundamentally different, whether you are a CEO in a company, whether you are a, you know, perhaps a minister or a prime minister, or whether you're a leader in a civil society organization or a movement. And I think that is something that to me has been quite revealing because it shows that leadership ultimately is something that has a great deal to do with how people see you and how you are able to interact with people. And, you know, everything else flows from that. I think the willingness to look at something for a moment from a totally different vantage point um, simply broadens your own spectrum, your own understanding. But, you know, some of this, I think, I, I certainly am not a teacher about listening. These are just my own, um, let's say, reflections on how encounters between people that sometimes believe they have nothing that they agree on or nothing in common can start on a very different footing if one takes that kind of approach, yeah. Maktar Diop is the Managing Director of the International Finance Corporation. We talked last year about moving forward in a world wrecked by economic, geopolitical, and climate crises. As we continue to grapple with these challenges, we can remember the lesson that he drove home to me, that crisis is an opportunity to help the underserved. I'll let him explain. With the right reforms and the right measures and the right coordination internationally, we can really make progress and be able to tackle them. In spite of these uh, difficult times, some progress have been made by some countries in electricity access. To accelerate this progress, the world needs to really put much more resources towards less advanced countries. We need to, to, to really be less risk-averse when it comes to investing in developing countries, and uh, somewhere, somehow, to realize that things will not be a repeat of the past. This crisis is an opportunity 
to change fundamentally and structurally the role of some of the countries in the world ec economy and to make sure that developing countries are an integral part of the supply chain and have, have given an opportunity to increase the value addition of the products that are generating in their economy. We'll tie things up with David Rubenstein. He is the co-founder of global private equity firm, The Carlyle Group, and host of Bloomberg's The David Rubenstein Show. He's written his own book on leadership and has more than 20 annual meetings under his belt. When we talked ahead of the spring in 2022, the only one to be held without the snow and ice. He talked about the courage that is needed to make change happen and making sure you have a vision that others will be compelled to follow. Here's David. Why do people want to be leaders? Presumably it's because they think they can do something useful for humanity. But sometimes people are more interested in doing something useful for themselves. But sometimes a profiling courage is required and there aren't as many profiles in courage um, as I would like to see. And sometimes you just have to do something that you think is the right thing to do, even if in the end it's unpopular. And I think if you do that, you're more likely to be proud of what you've done with your life, as opposed to just saying, I was a congressperson or a senator for X number of years. But you've got to plow through that resistance if you're actually going to accomplish anything. You know, nothing was ever done that's meaningful in life without somebody, um, you know, providing some resistance to it. But if you're going to change the status quo, you got to push. And so pushing something forward is not that easy to do. And it takes some courage sometimes and willingness to sacrifice your, your um, position. I'm sure people ask you this all the time, but if you were going to define leadership, what would you say? Leadership is when somebody or some organization, but typically a, one person, is trying to get other people to follow him or her towards a goal. So you're trying to say, I want you to march here. I want you to do this. I want you to have this thought. I want you to understand this. It's when you're trying to convince people to do something that they might not otherwise do. And so unless you're really able to push somebody forward, you're not really going to be a leader. So you've got to figure out how to cultivate people and get them to do something they might not otherwise do. And that's what leadership's all about. We're advancing in many ways. And as we advance, we can advance slowly or we can advance in better ways or we can advance in bad ways, but we should figure out how to advance in a good way. And that's what we should try to want our leaders to do is try to figure out how to convince civilization and move civilization forward in a progressive way. Those are just some of my top Davos leadership moments. Find a transcript of this episode as well as transcripts from my colleagues podcast Radio Davos at wef.ch slash podcasts. Me and my colleagues are covering the annual meeting all week. So make sure to follow on social media with the hashtag WEF24 or go online to www.weform.org. This episode of Meet the Leader was produced and presented by me with Juan Turan as studio engineer for interviews recorded at Davos. Taz Keller her served as editor and Gareth Nolan drove studio production. That's it for now. I'm Linda Lucina from the World Economic Forum. Have a great day.